0: Hey everybody, Dave Hodges here, host of The Common Sense Show, and you know we're the show that's known as Freeing America, one enslaved mind at a time, but we need your help. A lot of our broadcasts, you know, on digital, we go podcast, uh, we're on three networks, archives you can access, so hey, when you hear a guest, you go, hey, this is really important stuff, and I think this is going to be one of these interviews. We need you to share these far and wide. We, we need to wake up America, and really, America is waking up. Joe Biden's done more for our movement than I could have done in 20 years, but but we need to help people understand how it all fits together and that's why i think sending these broadcasts out is important and i appreciate your help in that area and you guys are just a great audience and thanks for joining us and you all know sarah westall you heard her yesterday on our show as we talked about the importance of getting tom rents uh the frontline doctor's attorney on more shows and sarah recommended that i talk to a lady named susan bradford and susan has sent me some of her materials and uh and i've just had a cursory look at some of them and it's really good and you're going to think in some ways you're talking to me but susan does something that i don't do a lot she has deep historical documentation that helps you understand the foundations of what's happening today um, and it's phenomenal stuff uh, to, it, I'm, I've looked through the the completeness is incredible uh, exquisite detail and Susan and I are going to do a number of interviews on these topics So today we're just going to kind of introduce the topic and where we're going and uh, we're just going to go from there and then we'll have Susan back and we'll, we'll do more highlighted targeted coverage of specific points on here China will be a central theme. And you go, oh, Dave, that's right up your alley. Yes, it is. Thank you very much. Uh, You know my position on China and our election. So uh, (laughs) this is going to be good, folks. Susan, I want to welcome you to the show. First time uh, guest. Uh, Thanks to our our mutual friend, Sarah Westall, who's just tremendous. And uh, she highly recommended you. I got to tell you, she doesn't do that very often. But she gave you the highest recommendation.
1: Well, well, thank you so much, and I, I think you know, very highly of, of Sarah as well, and I'm really delighted to be here. I appreciate the work that you do.
0: Thank you. Um, Sarah, before we get into what we were talking about in our pre-air discussion, um, tell the people a little bit about your background.
1: Sure. Um, uh, I'm originally from California, um, where I, I plan to um, embark upon a, a career in journalism. Um, and as I was working um, in Los Angeles for you know, CBS News and also for City News uh, Service covering the O.J. Simpson uh, trial, um, I decided that I, w- was, I wanted to um, focus more on international relations. So after I uh, um, earned my, my bachelor's, I went over to, uh, to England to, to um, earn a, a master's in international relations from the University of Essex. And while I was working there, I was able to get access to some of the, the corridors of power within London. Um, I worked for the Atlantic Council of the U.K. Um, I uh, formed, uh, I established um, a journal for the uh, Center for European Studies at Essex, um, in which I was able to solicit and edit manuscripts from leading heads of state on globalism, European integration, um, the Atlantic Alliance. And I was able, even able to secure an interview with Baron Robert Rothschild, one of the architects of the European Union. And so from there, with that background, um, I, I wanted to learn more about, you know, what what type of global system they were creating. I, still at that point, I didn't know how malevolent it was, but I was very intrigued. Um, I returned to um, the United States around the time that 9-11 broke um, and news bureaus were closing around the world. They were scaling back. Um, my next, uh, after I worked, I guess, for uh, Fox News Channel um, and Voice of America, and then I um, embarked upon um, uh, working on, on a project, working on the Abramoff investigation. And if you recall, um, Jack Abramoff was one of the leading lobbyists for the Bush administration. Um, his um, uh, influence was you know, throughout the entire uh, federal bureaucracy um, fast. And as I began to uh, research the background of his case, I discovered how the deep state had been uh, projected and established through the back doors of America's federal um, Indian tribes. And from there, I was able to piece oh. together how the, the entire uh, deep state was established in the United States. And I have been trying to alert the public ever since. And I've been you know, um, covering different aspects of the deep state um, through my books.
0: Oh, my, I just, you just took the air out of my lungs. Um, I have a very good friend, colleague, Paul Preston, who's the head of the California 51st state movement and has the very popular show, um, um, just like, uh, Gen 21 radio. Anyway, uh, Susan, he, uh, we're getting some background noise there on your end. Oh. Um, okay, I think that's better. Okay, anyway, okay. um, but Paul... Very much into the Jesuits uh, influence in California, very much into the cartel influence on uh, native land um, and how they support the deep state. I bet that rings a bell with you. Um, yes it does. Paul and I have had many discussions. We've done some interviews on that as well mm-hmm. too. But anyway, um, that's really interesting and and you hit something else. I'm gonna make a revelation here. Um, Susan, you almost get to interview me here on this one point. Um, My dad was Naval Intel, and going back in time, they like, you know, things like like father, like son. So I was heavily recruited to go to the Naval Academy. And this the Vietnam War was still going on, hadn't quite ended yet. And my dad said, no way in hell is he going to this. And he, he, he blocked it, cut off communication between me and Gary Hart, who was our senator at the time. And um, they, they put the full court press on me to go. I'd even gone and taken my... Um, you have to do these physical exams and so forth and I had done all that and my dad stepped in and says no no not doing it I know what they're going to do with you and he says I want you to have a normal life and not kind of the life I had where I was home infrequently so that got blocked but uh, they don't give up on you (laughs) and and here's what I mean I got approached to be in an investment group just out of the blue with someone who had known my father and I knew the name and uh, it was Tommy Buckley Greenlight Group. And uh, we did pretty well, money-wise. And um, at that time, I was a high school teacher and a coach. And kind of out of place for me to be in this. And they said, well, we want you to take a little time off. We have some work we want you to do for us. Now, the timing was the very early 90s, or late 80s, early 90s. And I did this for a couple of years. And what I did was I made presentations throughout Europe and, and, and I had the old diplomatic pouch and didn't have to go through customs and stuff. And I would fly out and I would do a lot of stuff where I'd present why your bank should want to monetize with the Euro and a way to put pressure on national governments to get them to do the same thing because you know they had to equalize the currencies correct and uh, I've never revealed this before that I did this work this is the first time I was under a non-disclosure agreement until 2013 and I just didn't think it was wise for me to talk about it but I'm thinking all that's going on right now in the world well I left and you talked about corruption (laughs) there was a a French banker and I'm not going to say his name here because I don't need the after-effect attention but there was a French banker who owned five banks and this lady from Portland named Sherry was one my partner at the time. And we would do these joint presentations and um, we knew the family well. He was not cooperative with the process. He just said, I'll shut my banks down before we do this. I'll go international, blah, blah, blah. I'll go offshore. And he was very uh, vocal, very difficult. He talked to the media and, you know, with these people, you don't do that. Well, they found the entire family including the children, strangled to death with piano cord at their vacation home on the French Riviera. And Sherry and I both went to who we reported to in London and said, we're done with this. We're not having any part of this. See, I saw nothing wrong with the creation of a Euro, but I was naive then. I wasn't aware of the New World Order stuff. I saw this as the normal course of financial transaction. And it was sold to us like, this is a very normal thing. We're blending stock markets. We all do arbitrages together. And so I, you know, this is how they justified it. So I said, okay, I I can go make these presentations. It's ethical. And gosh, we have heads of state involved. And I actually met a couple. And so that was my involvement in what you're talking about.
1: Um, Oh, that's very interesting. Yes, the, uh, the European Union w- was marketed as a um, regional common market upon which other regional markets would, would be based, like, like NASA, among others. And this was built as a way to promote free trade and exactly. everybody w- would prosper. You know? um, but they were, there's a hidden agenda behind this.
0: I was also told, too, that it was a way that they could bring a failed Soviet economy into the fold and not have to worry about them using their nuclear weapons out of, out of desperation. And see, I thought this was a noble idea because of things like that i thought this is a good idea it's promoting world peace and we'll do construction projects in africa once we combine our currencies and we're stronger as a whole and we'll eliminate you know people dying of drinking bad water and so i thought of all these things little did i know they would just throw in with bill gates and let him wreck the whole thing so um (laughs) isn't it funny how we have had a parallel path on the same topic
1: It is. They've led us to, um, I guess, to a similar conclusion or or the same conclusion about the events that are unfolding. Um, They may not have told you that Wall Street um, bankrolled uh, the communist revolution in Russia.
0: Yes. Yeah. They didn't tell me that, but i learned that as a matter of my work in what I do now. But uh, the, the audience is going, whoa, Dave, were you a globalist? No, this wasn't globalism at the time. And Susan, I know you understand that. This was not about working through the UN and abrogating sovereign agreements. It was about getting control of banks. That's what it was about.
1: Control of the economies. They wanted to enmesh the countries into a series of of interdependencies so that the the individual nations would not be able to operate within their own self-interest.
0: Well, the other thing we were told, too, this is when Bosnia and that mess was going on there. And we had these terrible slaughters that were going on. Um, And and Susan, what they were telling us was, if we can do this, we can eliminate the Bosnias, all the uprisings that are going on. We can eliminate people massacring each other. And to me, it seemed like a very humanitarian thing to do. Um, The only thing I thought, okay, if a guy doesn't want to put his bank in this, you're really going to make him? And that was something I had to admit, internally, I struggled with. Um, did you ever have any dealings with that end of it, with the financial unification end of things from the banking standpoint?
1: Um, I, I didn't work uh, specifically with the banks. Um, I, I do know that that the elites dealt ruthlessly with anybody who expressed any opposition to their agenda.
0: When you say ruthlessly, so, what 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 do you mean?
1: Um, I, I mean that they have uh, toppled leaders, they they have assassinated people, they've staged revolutions. I mean, there's no there are no lengths to which they will go to achieve their their agenda.
0: Yeah, what years did were did you become aware of this?
1: Um, I I think I had always known about the New World Order um, since my youth, but I. I, I think I perceived it in, in maybe a very kind of a theoretical way that eventually the world would be united under a global superstructure. Um, but I, I didn't really appreciate the nefariousness of, of the agenda until I worked on the Abramoff investigation. And from there I, I, I saw that um, judges were, were bought off, that uh, every decision on Capitol Hill has been influenced by a special interest, or, um, that um, the, the Department of Justice has been entirely politicized Um, that um, the corporations essentially control the government um, which no longer answers to we the people so i began to understand that the entire system system from the bottom i guess from the top to the bottom was corrupt
0: yeah exactly and and it like i said it took me two years to see through it i mean two years of intense work i had loose association with this for four years but it took me the two years uh of this experience to say everything is not quite as it appears. You know, I liken it to the movie, The Firm. I don't know if you ever saw that with Tom Cruise and The Firm was... I read the book. Yeah, well, so you have this uh, professionally appearing law firm, okay, and they appear to be very, very good at what they do and very ethical. And then when you peel the covers back a little bit, you find out how unethical they are. And that's, that's when I started making discoveries. And I said, I can't be part of this. This is just a business deal. Um, that's why, you know, I was telling you before we went on the air and I was sharing this with Susan, how I got involved in this business. And most of my audience knows this, you know, John McCain came after us for the, um, uh, the Canamex Highway and basically wanted to force us off our land without any compensation. And he had a long time to do it. We figured the build-out would have been about 20 to 25 years. And so they started by taking away our property rights and using a phony excuse of an Air Force base 30 miles away as being the excuse. We were in their way, and we knew that was a bunch of bull. And what we discovered in there was the North American Union, and that was the Canamex Highway. You know, started in... Um, um uh, mexico city to extend Ed- edmonton alberto and now they have actually building a leg of this between wickenburg arizona vegas on north uh, it's called i-11 brand new interstate highway for this purpose your tax dollars at work folks building internationalism so when i when i was hit by these forces I'd had enough experience in Europe that I said, oh, <laughs> no, no, no. I know exactly what I'm dealing with. And they got very uncomfortable with me. Um, when I had my radio show, I got shot at when I was interviewing Jim Mars. And uh, they attempted to run me off the road at one time. Uh, and the local sheriffs wouldn't do anything about it. So she, Susan, been there, done that. And I discovered exactly what you're talking about. Um So let's, um, Mm -hmm. I tell you, look at this. I got to tell you, as many nice things as Sarah said about you, I think she undersold what you have Mm -hmm. here. And should we tell people, we we had a hard time connecting this morning. And finally, we did a lot of electronic. Oh, yeah. We had a lot of electronic interference. Um, Although that's happened with me and other guests, especially when I interview like Steve Quayle or Paul Preston. But nonetheless, we had major interference hey i wanted to ask you about this publication you mentioned the atlantic journal tell me about that
1: um the atlantic council do you mean
0: Um, yeah the atlantic uh, council right
1: okay the the atlantic council was the um it's a nato public affairs office so they um, engaged parliament media um universities around great britain to advise them on uh, on foreign policy that would be um, in alignment with promoting the American uh, uh, Atlantic Alliance, which is the relationship between Great Britain and even you know Europe as well with the United States. Um, looking back, and I can see that it was essentially a propaganda outlet, but um, at the time it was. Um, you know, they drew upon you know, credible um, academics um, and professors along with um, heads of state, but most of them, of course, were influenced by special interests, so their opinion was bought.
0: I've been told it was like a reverse trilateral commission concept um, where it tried to blend international interest into a think tank and they would uh, have their private knowledge, but they'd put out a public persona that was much different. Does that, Do you agree with that? I,
1: I think that could be true. Um, I actually encountered a, a lot of individuals who I thought were very enlightened. Like they treated global, globalism as a religion, or they believed that, we, that they could really achieve peace on earth and prosperity for all. So I think there were a lot of people who believed in the ideals or were convinced of them. And then there were like a private elite, like the bankers and like the Rothschilds, for example, who knew the wider agenda. Because I think the average person would not have gone along with um, the New World Order if they they knew what was actually entailed
0: with it. Yeah, the reason I ask you about the Atlantic uh, Council is because when Brexit was surfacing, And you remember, I'm kind of aware of some of the forces within Britain that are associated with the European Union and so forth, because I saw it. And I kept hearing about the Atlantic Council, and I kept thinking, okay, they're coming up in reference to Brexit, and they were trying to kill Brexit at every turn. Mm -hmm. And uh, did did you have any uh, experience in following that at all, like um, the Atlantic Council getting in the way of this independence movement in Britain?
1: Well... I think there's there's a very strong eurosceptic movement w- within Great Britain. Um, they want they wanted to be separate from uh, from Europe and to retain um, London's position as like an offshore jurisdiction for European currency. But the Atlantic Council, as you uh, correctly stated, was part of this wider trilateral movement. In fact, the director um, I, whom I, I worked with, I'm um, Alan Lee Williams, was a member of the of the trilateral commission. So they wanted to bring um, Great Britain into the European Union to have you know, all of the countries integrated in, into one uh, larger common market that would then be controlled um, by the European uh,
0: uh, uh, bureaucracy. That makes a lot of sense, the wider market. I think the origin of that, if I remember right, and I'm gonna say this badly, but it was like the fuel and iron conglomeration from the 50s, I can't remember the exact name, but it was like hard mining interests and industry combining together to wanna to bring Europe into one nation.
1: Correct. It was called the European Coal and Steel Community. That's it. Um, it was prom- promoted by um, Avril Harrison, uh, uh, Harriman, um, work, who was working with John Manet, um, the, who, um, who was the uh, the developer. I guess he, he conceived the notion. But really, the European Coal and Steel Community was an invention of the Rothschilds, and it was based upon the Mongolian guild system from Central Asia um, that enabled the, the Central Asian elites and uh, mer- merchant classes to establish monopolies.
0: Is this a Belt and Road part where we whip a little industry on you and some infrastructure, and then you're in debt and we own you?
1: That's correct. They they establish relationships based upon dependency, specifically financial dependency.
0: Yeah, this became the Chinese foreign policy model, didn't it?
1: Yes, but this um, debt diplomacy originated in Central Asia interesting so a lot of people don't don't know that um, but i
0: know china's tried to do this well the world bank did it in bolivia with their water i covered that extensively when i got started in this business but then we see china doing it in ecuador chile um and really all over the world they're doing it all through africa right now so they can trade off putting military bases in africa
1: uh, Ch- china um aspires to have a, a chinese century they want to rule the world and Um, In order to seize the the natural resources and land of other countries, um, they're offering uh, to develop, you know, infrastructure and and other, um, you know, maybe uh, corporate and industrial enterprises within those countries and then to to place them in debt. Um, Typically, they require um, natural um, assets, natural resources as collateral. And then once the country defaults on, on the loan, which is which they inevitably do, China then um, is able to seize control of those natural resources.
0: Right, and that idea came and, out and of this country. very thing we were talking about with Atlantic Council interests and their subsequent business practices. Um, Correct. Yeah, Correct. I know. I began to see that in my final days. In fact, actually, nations were made to bend to the will of the European Union by doing exactly what we're talking about here. But this was Euro centralized. Uh, this wasn't so much international as it was just basically Europe dealing with its European nations that didn't want part of this. Um, when, and, when you saw the they
1: offered, cre- they also, Oh, sorry. They also uh, established the, the Schengen Agreement to allow for the free movement, visa free movement of European citizens to be able to, to work anywhere throughout Europe. And of course, that was used against the Europeans. You know, once the Rothschilds decided to. Um, uh, to destroy Europe, they then brought in immigrants who are hostile to, uh, to the European culture And then they allowed them to have these free um, movement around Europe And you know, to create havoc throughout the European countries.
0: I Can see why we got interference in our communications The more you talk the more I see it because you're providing substance for what I am discovering in present time and uh, you're exactly right. Um, I made a note here of something I wanted to ask you, and I can't read my own <laughs> writing, but um, the uh, I wanted to ask you about the European Journal. Okay, can okay. you talk a little bit about that? You said you had some experience with that?
1: Sure. Um, I founded the, uh, the European Review, um, which, uh, again, became the departmental publication for the Center for European Studies at Essex, and um, I... Was interested in receiving um, both the, um, the the pros and cons from the European elite on why they both supported the creation of the European Union and why they opposed it. So I requested um, manuscripts and statements from the elite, and I was very surprised to see that they were, they were more than willing uh, to provide those statements. Um, and so fr- from there, I think I was able to acquire you know a, a sense of why they were you know why they were trying to you know create
0: the EU interesting um, I want to be honest without being insulting when, okay. when I look at your biography here and I'm hearing you talk about the work you're involved in to me I get the feeling with you they were training a future globalist would that be a correct That's assumption true. and then you had a mid-course correction
1: I, I think that is correct, and I, I went to, to Essex University, I think, with, with that credential. Um, I I guess I was trained to, to assume my role you know, in, in a think tank or within the government or the media, um, and I think they were trying to condition me to, to think in such a way that I would automatically support globalism. But then having said that, um, I was sabotaged early on. Um, for example, um I took the uh the State Department civil service exam um after I graduated from Essex and of course the university um taught to the Foreign Service exam. So unsurprisingly I was one of the, the top performers. Um, I was I think I was among the, the top one hundred of over maybe ten thousand um, applicants for that year, but yet I was given a failing score and I wasn't told um that I had I wasn't told why I had failed. Um for about eight years onward Um, and at that point they said actually you know we had uh, you had passed but we gave your score to somebody else so they had their own people whom they wanted to to place in the positions of power Um, i also um, was offered a a job at cbs news in london after i graduated but uh, the home office would never process my visa in fact they continued to um, misplace the visa um, many many times resulting in my having to travel to Los Angeles, and back to London, um, on several uh, um, expensive trips until I finally gave up and returned to the United States. So there was interference, and um, I, I was, you know, attempting to, you know, work in, in journal, journalism or you know, become or work on some level in a diplomacy um, around the time that the, the Clintons were uh, were selling us out to communist China. So I think they wanted, you know, their own maybe intelligence assets or those who they knew would be reliable agents. Yeah, you know, to hold those positions
0: hmm what was it about you that triggered their disdain
1: i think it could have been one recommendation from um alan lee williams he said she has an uh, honest character she's a person with integrity <laughs> i wonder if that if that was um the kiss of death
0: you can't be bent
1: I, I, I correct i i could not um i would be i would not bend to a corrupt agenda
0: you know it's interesting and i had the same appraisal made on me it's interesting almost word-for-word I was told you could go much farther in what we're doing and you could stop being an errand boy if you were just a little more flexible in your world view that's what I was told personally yeah and that's pretty much what what you're hearing behind the scenes and Alan Lee Williams was the man who was running the Atlantic Council right
1: yes he was a member of the the trilateral Commission Um, I think he may have been a chairman of um, the European-speaking Union, and he was also the director of Toynbee Hall,
0: mm. which is so, um,
1: the Fa- a Fabian society.
0: Oh, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> oh, I, I just want to say say it ain't so. Okay, I went right to Fabian socialism, and if I'm wrong, correct me, but uh, mm-hmm. being an old sociology instructor is one of the things I've taught. Fabian socialism is one of the um, five pillars of sociology, and it basically says, if you don't put more into the state than you take out, you should be done away with. And I'm paraphrasing, but that's essentially what it means. Is this the same kind of Fabian we're talking about?
1: Um, I, I believe that the elites do hold that view. Um, Allen personally was a great humanitarian, believe it or not. I mean, he, he did care about, about the downtrodden. Um, my, my impression of Fabian socialism at the time was that the corporate classes wanted to remove um, employee benefits off their ledgers, and so they would reach out to the state to cover health care and, and, and other, you know, other employee benefits to ensure that they, they could enhance their profits. Um, and then once hmm. those people were placed onto the welfare rolls, they would have to then scale back the money that they paid them to retain more of the public funds for themselves. But I think if, if you are a useless eater, like you, you don't contribute uh, as much as you, you take out, That they, they, they don't want you to be, you know, they might, I, I don't know if they would do away with you, but I, I think they would consider you to be um, you know, not, not, not of value.
0: Herbert Spencer is often credited with being the founder of this movement, at least in your intro to sociology uh, textbooks. And I saw a video of him, actually a film of him made before his death, it was very elderly years, and he used that exact phrase. That if you don't contribute more than you take out the state should do away with you Um, that was his view and i see that view being present in our leadership today we have to hold it here just for a second we have to take this break or or my sponsors are going to be screaming at me but ladies and gentlemen um we were doing some personal shopping the other day and we're in uh, fry's department store here in phoenix area now we know we live north of phoenix but we have to drive into the city to shop and they were out of hamburger and a couple months earlier, they were out of milk. And this is a very large store, and we're seeing shortages all over the place. And the you know Bob Griswold and I just did a TV show on the supply chain graphic. We put illustrations up, maps up. We showed the whole nine yards about what's coming. And what's already beginning to happen and uh, try to get your jeans and t-shirts now folks because there's now shortages there but the shortage is most critical is in food and that's why we're offering storable food and i don't want anything to do with world economic forum dieting which is aquatics plant bugs and fake lab meat i don't want anything to do with that and uh, until this storm blows over and we can defeat these people hopefully um, i'm getting into storable food you should get into storable food Restaurant quality is what we have. It's not uh, organic by any means. We're not saying it is, but it's diverse. It's a well-balanced diet, 2,000 calories per day, which is even more than I consume and I work out every day. And so you have your choice here to to stay stocked or not. 25-year shelf life and $100 off the three-month emergency package is what they call it. And you say, well, Dave, I want to buy a year or two years. Well, just buy all emergency packages and you'll save the $100 all the way through. So uh, go to preparewithdave.com. And I can't stress this strongly enough, folks. I do not trust this administration in a crisis to feed the people. They left 1,000 Americans behind, plus allies behind enemy lines. And we know that's true from the sat phone calls that are coming out of Afghanistan. And I was actually allowed to listen to a sat phone call in real time that was not in the media. So I know this is real. So prepare with Dave.com. Don't put your trust in anybody else but yourself right now and perhaps the Lord. Secondly, uh, I'm concerned about communication. I know for a fact that if we go into uprising, there's talk right now on secession. I just watched Tim Pohl's show this morning uh, where he talked about uh, secession. And New Hampshire has a movement. Texas has a movement. There are 14 movements in the United States right now. Uh, Listen, if we go into rebellion, it's continuity of government protocols to encircle a city, shut it off, turn off the power, stop all the shipments into the city, starve them into submission, no one in, no one out, and they could accomplish the lockdown of a city in 30 minutes. It's been practiced. So uh, what are you going to do for communication? Sat phones. Not everybody is going to be up to date on, um, well, your CB and your shortwave and all this, and those are okay, those are effective, but sat phones are much harder to interfere with, and this is why we represent the satellite phone store. I don't want to be in a position where I can't communicate with my family in a crisis, and uh, you can find out more, and by the way, it's not expensive. I pay one-fourth the cost for my sat phone than I do my cell phone bill, so you can call 855-980-5830. That's 855 855-980- 980 Five eight three zero. I know the people there. They're good people. They do not push, uh, and th- they're just going to give you the facts. And one more thing, since we're combining our ads together all in one segment here, because I don't want to take away from this content that's so important. But um, if we go into what I think we're going to go into, we can't absorb $40 trillion of debt, and that's about what we're ready to jump into. And plus, the nations of the world are jumping away from the petrodollar. Uh, and that's our only backing for the dollar. We haven't been on gold since the 70s and really effectively since the Great Depression. So what was our backing? The petrodollar. Thank you, Bretton Woods. But that's disappearing, folks. And we're acquiring tremendous debt. That's a formula for hyperinflation. And when we hyperinflate, you're not going to be buying any prepping goods. You're not going to be buying much of anything. And what I'm saying is you need to prep your resources to survive what's coming. You won't be bulletproof. You're going to. Everyone's going to take their hits with what's coming. But you can minimize the damage, and Noble Gold specializes in that. And I am their customer. I used to just be an advertiser for three years, and then I said, They do good work here. I need to get involved with them. And I'm really happy I did. If you want a chance to come out the other side of the crisis they're getting ready to put us into, and I believe it's intentional, um, you need to start bulletproofing your assets as best you can. And they have plans for about everything. So I'm going to give you a number to call. Uh, It's really, really easy to talk to them, and they are trained not to close a deal on you. You have to close the deal yourself. They'll send you free info. They'll give you advice. They're great people, and they know what they're doing. 877-646-5347. 877-646-5347, the good people at Noble Gold. Well, that takes care of our ads for the entire segment here. I thought I better combine them because I'm having a hard time breaking away from this content. Not only because it hits close to home for my background, but also, too, because it hits close to home for what's coming. And um, Susan, when you look at the most, well, I want to ask you this, too, but I want to finish the thought on CBS News. If I understood you correctly, you did go to work for CBS News at some point, right?
1: Yes, I did. Um, I worked as an intern at CBS um, News in Los Angeles, and I also was a news writer for CBS News Radio, KNX News. Um, and it, the, the, the assistant bureau chief of Los Angeles w- became the, the bureau chief of London uh, for the, the CBS Bureau in London. So he had remembered me, and we had a good relationship back in Los Angeles, and he was happy to offer me a job after I graduated.
0: How long did you do that for?
1: Um, I, I didn't, was unable to accept the job at, um, in London because my visa was never processed.
0: Boy, that's interesting, too. What an effective way to block so, you from doing something.
1: It was very interesting. Um, the Guardian published a few years ago that the Clintons were involved in visa diplomacy. So they weighed in on who got the visas and who didn't. So I think that may have had something to do with it.
0: Why wouldn't the Clintons like you?
1: Um, I, I think at that time um, the Clintons were um, falling under um, a scrutiny for, for essentially Selling uh, uh, selling seats um, to Communist Chinese um, on the Commerce Department. They were also selling weapons to Communist China. So there were um, charges of treason being brought by um, Admiral Moore. Um, and the, the Lewinsky scandal was actually used as a diversion from those charges so that Bill Clinton would be impeached over um, sex with an intern as opposed to treason. Um, and... Um, the, the Lewinsky scandal was, of course, pushed by um, by Tom Delay, who worked with the Clintons uh, to help uh, China, uh, China um, join the World Trade Organization.
0: Who was the admiral again?
1: Um, Thomas Moore.
0: I, I didn't understand the last okay. name.
1: Uh, uh, Moore, M-O-O-R-E. Oh, okay,
0: okay, Thomas Moore. All right, and uh, he was aware of selling commerce seats to communist China.
1: Yes, and I, and I believe um, the Communist Chinese were among the, the biggest contributors to the Clintons, uh, both the, um, the their presidential campaign, the Clinton-Gore presidential campaign, and then their reelection campaign. And so they, they were. Um, the Clintons had given uh, the Chinese our nuclear secrets. Um, they had, you know, eliminated um, our strategic advantage over the Chinese. Um, I believe that they had also granted the Chinese control over parts of, of, of Panama, which would again neutralize our military. Um, and they were selling uh, seeds, I believe, on like trade missions and and, and uh, related seeds also within, within the Commerce Department to the, to the Chinese Chinese, and were allowing them um, access to um, the higher echelons of our military.
0: My, my, my goodness. This was, if I remember correctly, and I may get the missile wrong, but the DNC and Al Gore um, giving s- selling technology for campaign donations to Communist China for the Silk War missile. I may have a few of the details mm-hmm, wrong, but I think I have the general idea. Is that, is, do you know about this?
1: Yes, that they um, facilitated meetings with um, President Clinton in exchange for campaign contributions. these would be meetings
0: with the communist chinese this is um i can see how sarah saw how our knowledge would blend when we look at it's my contention that the chinese contamination even down to our local government now is so insidious that we can't possibly control our internal affairs right now we have too many people on the take one way or the other Either they're getting directly bribed in offshore stock dealings, and I know about that with some of our public officials in Arizona, or they have business relationships they don't want to tamper with. Um, So they do just what the Chinese want. And you're talking about a genesis of this and an explosion of this in Clinton. I would imagine this started earlier than Clinton, though, didn't it?
1: Uh, yes it did um, it goes all the way back to Henry Kissinger um, and mm-hmm. I think he was the chief driver of this agenda now um, Henry Kissinger was um, he was recruited to, um, to, be, to work on intelligence and counterintelligence as a refuge, Jewish refugee in Germany um, and he was recruited to the, the OSS by um, uh, Wild Bill Donovan um, who had um, interest with, within the Rockefeller Bank. And he had established um, the Office of Strategic Services, which was the precursor to the, to the CIA and based upon um, the British uh, Secret Service model. Um, so Henry Kissinger was recruited from the very beginning uh, to advance this wider um, China agenda. Um, he was uh, mentored in uh, England um, in London uh, by a prime minister who wanted to open up the West to Communist China, Um, The prime minister, of course, had a relationship with Bertrand Russell, a socialist who had groomed uh, Chairman Mao and had trained him and indoctrinated him. Um, Of course, um, uh, uh, Mao Zedong tung led the Communist Revolution and was also a uh, a Rothschild bloodline. Um, Kissinger was then uh, placed within... um, the, uh, the, the Nixon administration as Secretary of State. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, um, Nixon um, opened up uh, the West to, uh, to China, normalized relationships with China um, in concert with um, George Herbert Walker Bush, um, who was a, the de facto uh, ambassador to Taiwan and also uh, the director of the, the, um, the, the liaison office with Communist China. Um, and in his administration was stacked with um, uh, intelligence officials from uh, the, the OSS and from the Harriman Law Firm, a uh, Harriman uh, Financial Firm, uh, Brown Brothers Harriman. Um, and of course the, the Harriman Firm uh, started off working in textiles, um, with textiles of course you have um, the, the, the merchants who stamp back centuries who had made their riches working with communi- with China, which was not communist at the time, but through, through uh, the sale of silks and other materials. So they had a relationship with China and had intended to tap the markets of Central Asia um, and eventually lead the, the, the New World Order from Asia. So Kissinger was one of the leading drivers of this agenda. Um, his uh, assistant, um, Winston, Winston Lord. Um, ended up working as ambassador to to China for Reagan and Bush, and then was undersecretary of state for Pacific affairs under the Clinton administration, ensuring that the agenda continued uh, regardless of, you know, who, who was in charge um, or, you know, who was actually running the administration. Um, Nixon, or not Nixon, but Kissinger, had also established um, a group called the National Committee for U.S.-China Relations, which opened up, um, which actually promoted... Uh, uh opening up China, communist China um, among the uh, intelligentsia the media corporate executives um, and they, they had uh, worked on, on a campaign spanning decades and were eventually able to um, you know get uh, access to the high levels of, of media government um, their office opened um, at the, the the UN center um, with uh, funding from the Rockefellers uh, the Rockefellers in turn um, were able to bring um, hundreds of corporate executives together in in, uh, in Canada, um, where uh, you know, through meetings facilitated by Prime Minister Trudeau, you know, who is the, you know, the father of the current uh, Prime Minister, to figure out ways working with Communist China on how they could um, uh, tap the market. This was done within Canada, you know, uh, coordinated by uh, by Rockefeller, who controlled our multinationals through interlocking boards of directors. Um and of course um uh Kissinger what year was trained, that? Uh, can
0: you can you give me a That year? was in the,
1: the yeah, early nineteen seventies. Um and then Kissinger worked um, across the um the diplomatic aisle with Mao Tung um in concert with the CIA agents, former OSS officials, and they plotted together how they could weaken the United States from within, um and eventually, you know, pave the way for communist uh uh conquest of, of the United States.
0: Yeah, we're reading We're watching the movie today of the final chapter. You know, it's interesting. One of my wake-up books that I read, and I've talked about this often. I'm now friends with him. It's kind of funny. I used to admire the guy. Now we're friends. But Pat Wood, who uh, lives in the Phoenix area as well, and we've done some concerts, uh, excuse me, some conferences together, and uh, he wrote a book with late Anthony Sutton, uh, a professor, and it was the book was entitled Trilaterals Over Washington. Published in the late 70s, and um, it was really talking about something that was in denial. No one wanted to believe there was a trilateral Commission. In fact, when I read the book, Susan, this is before the Internet, I went to, um, I was living in Colorado Springs at the time, and I went to the University of Colorado, Colorado Springs, and used their electronic library. They used to link electronically to all their campuses in the state, and I looked up Trilateral Commission, and I only found one story that was written in 1977 by the Atlantic Monthly, and it was de- it was debunking the conspiracy notions of the trilaterals. But what Pat said in his book ties right into what you just said. He said the way the Rockefellers, and he looked at it as more of a Rockefeller centra- centralized um, agenda, because that's what he saw in his research. Correct. And he said that the way that they controlled the American corporations and they could therefore influence the government and control the people better was through interlocking boards of directorate. Correct. And that got around the Sherman Antitrust Act and the Clayton Antitrust Act and all those supposed prohibitions.
1: That, that is correct. And they also used um, those corporations to bankroll the Bolshevik Revolution and the Chinese Communist Revolution. I think Anthony Sutton had also documented that
0: mm-hmm. as well. Wow. Well, I know Pat Wood really well. <laughs> this is, and now he's kind of like the uh, the guru if you want to know anything about technocracy, and this is kind of the outgrowth of this. I think um, using uh, corporate technology to to basically subdue the population. Well, when we look at these plans that go back as far as well the Nixon years, I want to ask you something though before I get all into this next part. Uh, sure. Why Watergate? Do you have any notion why? Because Watergate was obviously an orchestrated plot to remove Nixon, in my opinion.
1: Um, why Watergate? Um, to be honest with you, I, I don't know. I know that there, there were some recent revelations alleging that Watergate was intended to cover up um, a, a pedophile ring in, in Washington, D.C., but uh, I don't know why they were targeting Nixon specifically. Um. I think that he might have been a little bit skeptical to the, the Rothschild um, slash Rockefeller agenda, a bit resistant to it. Um, but I really don't know why they, they targeted him, to be honest.
0: I, I've been told this, um, and this is by a former very high-ranking military source that I know well. And he, it was his considered opinion, and I don't want to say opinion, but he was in position to see the workings going on. Nixon was scaling down Vietnam. And this wasn't really hap- a happy topic with all the globalists because they wanted uh the, the military-industrial complex to continue to realize great profits, but even bigger than that was the heroin trafficking coming out of the Golden Triangle that influenced uh, that was influenced by the war coming out of these areas and they wanted to continue to use military influence to keep these trade routes open to supply heroin to the world, kind of like the, the first Afghanistan of its type where you're misusing yeah. military assets to protect drug uh, shipments. Does that fit with anything you've ever heard or seen?
1: Um, I know that um, the Nixon tried to scale back um, LBJ's um, war, war on poverty. So I, I think LBJ had had given a deluge of, of public funds uh, to you know, to, uh, for social services, um, with a lot, a large portion of that money going into private pockets. Um, and I know that he actually expanded, uh, the military industrial complex, um, during his administration, um, a large pool of, of oil was discovered uh, in Alaska and I think in Proudhon uh, Bay and Nixon made sure, or Kissinger rather, made sure that that oil was not developed, um, so that America would be forced to be dependent upon oil from Saudi Arabia and other countries. Um, The oil was then um, uh, concentrated within Alaska. Um, uh, There was a a settlement that was arranged to ensure that the the land rights were, were claimed properly and that the natives who lived, Native Americans, Eskimos, who resided on that land were given settlements The settlements were used to create Alaskan Native corporations, and those became a boondoggle for um, the military-industrial complex. They were built as a way to um, provide some type of economic equity um, for the Native Americans, but were actually front organizations for the military-industrial complex, like um, McDonnell Douglas, um, Halliburton, and these large um, corporations
0: hmm that's it, it does really fit um that's that's really really interesting yeah i've never believed the um the watergate story on its surface because i look at this current administration right now watergate is uh if you were going k through 12 on on serious conspiracies watergate's in kindergarten compared to what biden's doing now um
1: I think I think what Watergate demonstrates is that um, at at that time, the Rockefellers and their allies were able to use the arms of the government and the media as a weapon against those political officials who are not um, telling
0: the line. And we see that today, too, in a big way. I mean, Biden said it all. If you don't take the jab uh, and the governors get in the way, we'll, we'll run over the governors. Correct. And that's, I mean, I mean, it's it's out in the open now. I mean, it's not even covert. It's not subterfuge. It's open policy now. It's declared, and it's 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 absolutely crazy. You see, this is saying this to the audience now. This is what Susan brings here. I mean, you can see how she touches into the areas that we talk about in the present, but we're getting the real history of this, and and what you've helped me see, just in this short interview is how extensive the chinese influence has been and for how long and that's the amazing thing for how long is the key i want to ask you a question before we close um dick mcconnell's wife former secretary of treasury chow mommy and daddy mm-hmm. have a big communist chinese shipping firm they control a lot of the ports in china at least i hear they have controlling interest um, is that part of this plot too Cause she should never been vetted for her position.
1: I I agree with that. Um, now I haven't looked into her activities specifically. Um, I, I do have some concerns about whether, uh, or I guess to the to the lengths to which um, Donald Trump was was in fact working on behalf of, of the Patriots. Um, there are a lot of indications that he, he may have been compromised both through his uh, the the loans that he took out for. Um, his, his casino uh, interests from the Rothschilds. Um, also, I think at, at one point, um, uh, Ivanka Trump had a, attempted to establish uh, a Trump Tower in the Republic of Azerbaijan overlooking the Caspian Sea, and of course the, the Rothschilds uh, controlled the oil interests within the Caspian Sea. Um, Ivanka had intended to use that the tower to entertain the oligarchs of the world, Um you know, while well, they're like to enable them to, to cut deals and, and so forth. So I, I think Donald Trump has a lot of financial interest throughout the world. Um, my hope is that he was, um, he, he had greater concern and consideration for the American people than he did for his own um, portfolio. But I, I don't think that, um, that Ms. Chow should have, uh, Mrs. Chow should have been um, uh, in. You the trump administration
0: and there, there are many uh many who should not have been oh yeah I think that's to me that's one of the more elevator. glaring examples on the because of helping us understand what went wrong today and you mentioned ivanka trump husband uh jared kushner who has a five billion dollar debt to george soros and i know that for that speaks a
1: fact. volumes
0: well some of the um, I, I guess what i'm saying here is when you got Jared Kushner involved, and Trump Trump should have 86 both of them from the White House for the stuff I they agree. were involved in. And, um, and Jared Kushner's deep ties to George Soros, um, who's as anti-American as they come, uh, I share your concerns when you talk about Trump, but I also tend to give him the benefit of the doubt and say, I think he had a change of heart when he was president, and I'll tell you why, he did away with the Trans-Pacific Partnership, which would have established corporate rule over America. Whether, I think there are two, 22-man council that could have vetoed anything the government could have done. And and if he was truly a globalist, he wouldn't have done that on his first action.
1: I, I agree, and he, he also tried to uh, resist the, the Green New Deal, and he made extensive efforts to ensure that we remained um, energy independent.
0: Yeah, exactly. Everything that and uh, that Kissinger uh, and, and Nixon and all these people tried to block. Um, you've written some books, right?
1: I, I have. Um, let's, I, let's... I think the most... We have,
0: we have about 40 seconds left, and what I want to do is give you an opportunity to tell people how they can start picking up your books. We're going to continue this as a series of interviews, people. And, Susan, we have a lot more than the four that we planned on, believe me. Um, <laughs> this is, this could end up being a series. But anyway, how do people uh, find you and and get a hold of your books?
1: Thank you. Um, you, you can uh, find me on my web page, which is www.susanbradford.org. And uh, you could, my background information and my contact information uh, along with information on my books is included there. Um, and I think just for for the purposes of of, of interest uh, my to uh, your audience, um the most important books that um, help that will help you understand what we're facing with with regards to China include a Shadow Dragon, uh, which reveals how our political establishment uh, sold us out to communist China. Um, royal Blood Lies, which reveals how the Rothschilds um, essentially took over um, the British monarchy and governments throughout the world. And my most recent book, Carter, Treachery, which reveals how this agenda traces to Central Asia going back centuries, even preceding the um, establishment of the United States. So it's a centuries-old agenda. Okay.
0: And on that, that note, Susan, to we're up against a hard break, and I'm sorry about that. But I'll be in touch. We're going to definitely schedule some follow-ups. This was very enlightening. Thank you very much. And ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining thank us. You so much.